Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bitches, Witches, and Queers, a podcast dedicated to those who have left religion behind and are now seeking to rebuild their lives through self-exploration, play, and spirituality. I, your host, Christina Carlson, am an embodiment and intuition coach. I work with bitches, witches, and queers to discover their own worth and value and learn how to trust themselves to create the lives they want. I'm an experimenter by nature, so this podcast, like my life, is an offering in flux. What you find here will be diverse and, hopefully, interesting. One thing you can know for sure is that we will get good and curious here. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Um, Here I am back uh, with Audra, and I just wanted to do a little bit of an intro um, for us again, (laughs) because this is not one part of two, it is like five of 25, and um, we're going to be coming to you a lot more from this living room floor space, because we have been having so much fun having these conversations, and we don't currently see an end to it, so I hope you're loving them. Um, We absolutely are. And I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge that um, we're going to be doing this a lot. And also, I will still be having other interviews interspersed and other casual conversations too, because um, I do what I want and I do what is the most fun and um, I'm having the most fun with this. So we'd love to hear if you're enjoying this, please let me know. Um, Please please rate this podcast and give a five-star review if you love it and leave some positive feedback if you have it. Otherwise, don't worry about it. Um, It really helps us get uh, seen by other um, people who might enjoy this podcast. Um, So I hope you love it and I'll talk to you soon. Hello and welcome back to Audra's Living Room Floor. This is the song that is on our hearts at the moment. <laughs> oh, there is no better song to start that Tuesday afternoon. Oh. <laughs> we were in the kitchen a minute ago regretting that we hadn't uh, been recording ourselves because I was telling the story of um, Easter for myself as a child. <laughs> So I, everyone has a different experience, right? But we we were both raised deeply evangelical. And like, for me, this was like, I mean, I had a third of the Bible memorized by the time I graduated high school. I went to Bible college. My degree is in theology. Like I was homeschooled until high school. You'd think that my Easter experience would be more religious than say yours. Yeah. But it was, it was not for, I, I mean, I, I do remember hearing the story of like the resurrection and like this was, there was a deep emphasis on that and you know, we talked about it in high school. There was, like, full-on demonstrations and shit. Yeah. But, yep. like, my dominant memories of Easter are getting an Easter basket of candy yes. and um, and getting high in my, grandma's, <laughs> in my grandma's spare bedroom. Okay? Because I hope so. I will so. never recover from this. Go on. I, I mean, we didn't know it, but, like, I really hope that some <clears throat> of y'all know what I'm talking about. There's, there's this, like, toy thing that was, like, a... It was, like, called permanent bubbles or something like that, where it was just, like, this... Instead of blowing regular bubbles, you would take this straw and put it in this thing of putty, and it would blow a bubble that you could then pinch, and you had this bubble. But it was, like, basically huffing glue. And there was, like, five of us, like, me and my cousins, all in this tiny one spare bedroom without a window open, all, like, blowing into these, like, fake bubbles. And it smelled, like... 
horrible. Yes. But that's all we knew is that it smelled horrible. And then we would just like giggle for hours. <laughs> so come to find out for, years later. Oh yeah, we were getting, we high were getting Easter. high on this stuff. Um, did not know it. Uh, but <clears throat> when I think about Easter, mm -hmm. I think fun Easter egg hunts. Yeah. And getting high in my grandma's spare bedroom. Fucking delightful. And <laughs> I have like uncovered the fact of one of the reasons I was so sad we were not recording was I just like had it for the first time a deep realization of like what my family's Easter tradition actually was. Um, cause I went to this tiny little, um, free will Baptist church in Southeast Missouri and they still do the same thing to this day. Every single Sunday morning or Easter Sunday morning, um, they have what they call sunrise service. And for us, sunrise service was an event where if the weather was good, we all gathered at the church and then walked to the church cemetery, which was like a quarter mile away. And we did all of this before dawn. And so as the sun <laughs> rose, we were all standing in a circle in the graveyard, <laughs> listening to the story of the crucifixion and resurrection. And like often there was, there was like acapella singing and all of the, we were fucking witches. You, you read from the sacred text before dawn over dead bodies. We did. That's exactly <laughs> what the fuck we did. And like, um, it's so funny to me because you said that like the, the bubble thing was your like core memory of Easter. And I've been thinking about that ever since that I'm like, oh yeah, my core memory from Easter growing up was actually the sunrise service. It was my favorite uh -huh. part. Yeah. Like I always felt sad. Like if the weather was bad and so we had to do yeah. all the things inside. I wanted to go to the fucking cemetery. Like, <laughs> You're like, bring on the witchiness. <laughs> I, I think even as a kid, like I just knew I'm so I'm so fascinated by this. I, I think this is actually gonna help me reclaim pieces of Easter <laughs> because I think like in recent years since deconstruction and all of this stuff, my concept of Easter has gotten really mixed up with like um, redemptive violence and like all of the pieces of it that feel really fucking gross to me. Yeah. Um, like the, the parts of it that are like, cause as a child, we were always told that like Jesus had to die because we were sinners. Right. So like we constantly had that put on us, the weight of like, Oh, this innocent person had to die because you're a fucking asshat. Yeah. This like, is your fault. I was four. Yeah. Right. Let's, let's be clear. I was four. Um, <laughs> So, like, I think a lot of my Easter memories have gotten tainted by that energetic. And so it's really mm. delightful to remember that, like, before that, there was this time where Easter, for me, was actually highly represented by this incredibly witchy ritual. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my favorite part, was being yeah. in the cemetery for sun. Yeah, okay. I want to I wanna make a note of this, like what you're talking about. And um, what <clears throat> the reason that I think I like have access to this memory is like, for me, right after I left religion and for a little while after I just felt like an incredible amount of rage and all I could feel was mm. sad. Um, oh, yeah. um, because all of the strongest memories that I had were painful um, and sad. But, like, working through a lot of that in therapy and through coaching and, like, bringing myself back to a yes. place of healing and my mind to a space of calm and safety, mm. I have access to these funny memories. Yes. And they are, yeah. like, the most dominant ones. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's, like, so actually, like, a lot of really funny, yeah. joyful, weird shit yes. that happened in yeah. there. <laughs> I think I've had more and more of those moments with my, like, moments of, I don't know that I've been able to move into joy yet. But, like, I've had more and more moments as I've done therapy and healing work of, like, 
fondness and like yeah. gratitude for the way certain things played out and like sure. being able to see like the sense of humor behind it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's such a piece that just like comes along with processing the trauma to the point that like the trauma is no longer the dominant it's energy. It's not the loudest. It's anymore. not the loudest thing. Yeah. yeah. Like if I can just reclaim the fact that I was a tiny Easter witch always. <laughs> a tiny Easter witch. Like I, <laughs> fuck, I, I had forgotten about Easter sunrise service and how much I loved that experience. Are you, are you set on the title of your podcast? Because tiny Easter witch is, <laughs> tiny Easter is pretty witch great. Is damn good. I love it. <laughs> yep. At least for, like, a, one of the seasons. Yes. Yep. Spring. Tiny Easter witches. Because I've always been, <laughs> God, in retrospect, I've always been the witchy kid. I'm so glad you brought always. up graveyards, too, because, like, I love hung, I hung out in graveyards for yeah. most of high school and college. Tell me it was more like about this. The place... Oh, my God. Okay, so, like... <laughs> Obviously, from a very young age, we were told that, like, we are taught about death and yeah. like, violent death. Violent death, yes. We, we were taught yeah. to get really comfortable with dying a violent death. Very We were told that we might, and yeah. we needed to be okay with there that. There was always a very real chance that someone was going to walk into my classroom and, shoot and put a gun to my head yes. and ask if I love Jesus. Exactly. Yes, we were raised with this, like, you better be ready to die. So I got really comfortable with <laughs> graveyard. This is like fi at five years old. I'm like, okay, I guess I need to be ready to die. And I want to no. do it in India. I want to do it well. I was a full in India. I was a full on white savior. Like, this is how I was well, raised, right? Um, I wanted to be Amy Carmichael. Man. And like. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. The core memories. <laughs> yes. Yes. This was who I was raised with. Um, so. Like, I was just, like, very comfortable with, like, the thought, concept, idea of me dying. I didn't believe that I would live past 30. Oh, same. 30? Yeah. Because yeah. I, because Jesus died around 30, 33. Mm -hmm. And, like, I just knew that there was a special calling or something on my life. Yeah. So I fully expected to die young. Yeah. I expected that either I would die young in some sort of, like, martyrdom situation mm -hmm. or Jesus would come back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was another factor. That was, I, I never thought I would make it to 37. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Go on. Very bizarre. So I, I loved to hang out in graveyards because it was like a park, but no one was ever there. So if I needed to be alone, I would go like sit in a graveyard. You know, it's really funny. I used to like pray for the families of every person uh -huh. of course you did. in there because That's... I'm just a nice person and I wanted them to feel happy. <laughs> But, like, there was this graveyard specifically that was, like, um, it was on the drive home. I worked at Starbucks for, like, a year. Um, I hated it. I loved the people I worked with, but I got the orders wrong the entire time I worked there because my brain does not work like that. No, not now. <laughs> no. Nope. No, no, no. Um, but every time after a shift and sometimes on my way to work, I would stop at this graveyard and sit on the hill. And just, like, sit in the nice Midwestern zoysia grass. If you know, you know. Uh -huh. It's very fluffy. Um, and sit by these gravestones. And, like, I, I saw someone literally only one time mm -hmm. there. Because it was just, like, a church graveyard. Yeah. But, like, I always made it a point of walking in graveyards and, like, thinking mm -hmm. about my mortality. And, like, there was who the fuck? <laughs> Chad Osborne is calling me. Fuck you, Chad. I have no idea. I don't know who he is, but fuck. I don't know why his name is coming up on my phone. I don't know a Chad. Huh. That's very interesting. Because usually it's just like the fucking number if it's not somebody who's programmed into your phone. Right. No, Chad, we're not available. That is bizarre. Okay, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, similarly, I my grandma, um, 
there was a graveyard right next to my grandparents' house. Actually, like, nestled between both sets of my grandparents' houses. There was this, like, really big, beautiful graveyard with, like, a walking path through it. Mm. And I remember doing that as a kid. Like, um, I would just, like, go there and walk. Mm. And just, like, be in that. Like you said, it was just so peaceful. It's like a the purple park for introverts. Yeah, exactly. It's, just, it's a great place. No one's going to bother you. No one's going to bother you. Plenty of people to talk to because also, I don't actually need people to talk back to me. Right. Is the thing. Like, I can just talk at. Yes. Oh, yeah. I was and good so, at that yeah. Too. Yeah. <laughs> I spent a lot of my childhood just, like, communing with the dead. Which yes. Same. You know what's funny? There are so many pieces. There's signs. Together there were right signs. There were signs. There were signs. God. <laughs> you know what's so funny is like I haven't like I haven't done that like since I like broke up with my ex. Um like nine years ago. Oh god, time. Time is time. But weird. anyway, like I I felt so miserable. For, like, the entirety of that time. Mm. And, like, the only way that I could deal with, like, my anxiety and my stress about, like, my eternal soul and, like, whether I had found God's will for my life or not was oh. to, like, be in a space that made me feel sad in some sense. Yeah. So that I could, like, then feel Process. okay. Because it was, like, it's, like, the, the shame that you go to to then feel safe with God is, oh, like, as long yeah. as you feel bad, then you're okay. Oh, yep. And I think it was, like, an external, like, but I'm feeling bad, so I'm okay. I'm feeling bad, so I'm okay. You know, yep. it was, like, an externalized version of that. Like, I'm, yes. I'm sad, so that means that I'm at least doing the right thing. <laughs> it's probably one of the reasons, like, not dissimilar to, like, um... I have until the past couple of years, honestly, like this past year, um, been someone who historically fucking loves sad music, no matter what, what like mood I'm in, yeah. like give me some set. Joshua always referred to it as my, um, cut my nuts off sad. music. <laughs> um, but I could like listen to that all the time. And it was because I think it did like bring up that like a, it always felt like a like making my outsides match my insides kind of thing, mm. but it was also very much rooted in that sense of um, if I'm not feeling bad, then how do I know I'm know I'm close to God? Yeah, like because there was such a like conviction and like feeling a sense of like shame and pr like preemptive shame. Yeah, that's what it felt like to me. Like sen a, a sense of preemptive shame. Yeah. Felt like the nearness of God to me. <laughs> you said the word conviction, which I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah. And I think, I think what conviction actually means is shame. Yeah. Yeah. In that context, for sure. Yeah. God, yeah. Yeah. Right. Like not in the sense of like, I'm like, I have conviction to like do this thing or yeah. whatever, but like in the, in the religious spiritual yep. context, that word yes. generally shame. means shame yeah. or, or guilt, but more than not mm. shame. I, I learned how to like interpret that as the closest of as the closeness of God. Oh yeah. Like you had to be crying. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. God, there's, <laughs> there are layers here. Oh, <laughs> uh, Anyway, it's such a like <laughs> trip. I, I get very excited about this very frequently because I finally feel like I've hit this point in my life where like I can give myself access to joy and still feel very close to God. Yeah. Like, in fact, I feel closest to God in my joy. Yeah. And like connection and pleasure at this point. 
Um, and sometimes I forget that wasn't always the case. Sometimes yeah. I forget there was this whole, the, the bulk of my life was spent associating the presence of God with feelings like shame and guilt. Mm. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? It wasn't until I like, when I moved to Kansas city before I actually like fully deconstructed, I was on this path of, um, like honestly, like because I had broken up with someone I'd been with for seven years and I had not been by myself in so mm -hmm. long, I wanted to like, you know, I was in this space of like, I want to like, I think, I think my prayer was like, I want like God break down the walls around who I think you are and like, show me who you really are. Mm -hmm. And, and that came through in like utter fucking joy and expansion. Yep. And it was like the most honest prayer I'd ever yeah. prayed in my life. Yeah. And I meant it. Uh -huh. And like, I went through a, a, a phase at the very beginning of that, where I like went to like redeemer and like did the whole, like acts 29, like was just like, I'm going to do everything and like really give my heart and soul to this. And I yeah. did, but like, it just, it led me right out. Like, <gasps> because it was like, I experienced grace for the first time in my life, actually fully freely. And then I was just like, wait, this doesn't compute with these aspects anymore. And so yeah. I'm like, okay, God, like, where are you? Who are you? Yeah. And it just kept leading me to joy. Uh-huh. And as goodness. soon as you, like, as soon as you start to find, as soon as you start to find the presence of God in joy, the church framework we were raised with stops making sense right. pretty quickly because you start to see how much of it is actually, like, like, I, it's funny, I, I look back and, like, even the moments that I would have, at the time, pinpointed as joy were disembodied. Yeah. Like, yeah. they were, like, it was, like, a, um, it was, like, a hologram. Like, I would have these moments of, like, joy that I had done the thing. And I had, like, hmm. I had, like, manifested this life that looked very joyful and it looked the way it was supposed to. So, like, I, I think about this a lot um, in the context of, like, the early years of being married. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, that was such a big, like, it's marker. Like, it's that like was fulfilling a prophecy. Yes. You're like, like I did the thing. I did the thing. Yeah. And so, like, I've had to do some deconstructing in retrospect of, like, the beginnings of my relationship with Joshua and how much, like joy I felt in marriage versus how much joy I felt in having done the thing hmm. and like checked the box that would like lead me to the next space. Yeah. Cause it's so interesting in retrospect, like Joshua was my best fucking friend. Yeah. And that was like, if I was going to get married, like, yes, do that with that person. But like in retrospect, there are parts of me that I'm like, I don't know if I ever actually wanted marriage. No, it was just the thing. It was just the thing. Like the joy oh. that I, the joy that I had at getting married, like not at being with Joshua, but the joy I felt at getting married specifically in retrospect was very much tied to, oh, I did the thing. That's okay. I'm so glad you brought that up because there, there's like another aspect of this, like where you feel the quote unquote joy or whatever. And it's, it's like a very different version of what you're saying mm. because that, that for sure is one. And I know so many people experience that where they're just like, 
I did the thing. Or like they have, they yes. wake up one day and they have a family and kids and they're like, yes. why am I not happy? I, why am I, I happy? did it all. Yes. But there, there's another aspect of that, um, like feeling joy within that space and also being disembodied. And that is when you experience a trauma and you are crying and like having an emotional full body reaction, um, like panic attack, etc in the presence of a person and then you have to move through it because your body can't continue in that state and you move into a state of like shaking and bliss it's like Mm. a laughing giggly like Mm. happy elated space because your body can't fucking handle it and it is it is disembodied i mean i guess that's not correct it's embodied um you aren't aware of what's happening yeah um not in connection with your body because it's in a trauma state and I think that happened for a lot of us mm-hmm. a whole lot. And for me a lot, because oh. it was just like, you were supposed to work yourself up into the state. Oh. And if you actually did it, then you would experience like, I guess it's like some version of like a really unhealthy runner's high where your yeah. body is in it's this. It's like a euphoria. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, and, and it's, you know, our sweet bodies do this to like, like help us balance <sighs> the shit that we just experienced. But if you go through something yes. really insane, your reaction isn't always like, in fact, it's almost never how people, like, portray no. it in the movies. No. You just have, like, ha, ha, and then you're, like, laughing, and then you're crying, yes. and then you're just, like, that's like ridiculous. Manic. It's like a manic it's episode. Manic. Yes. Um, but I often equated that with um, something good, something yeah. uh, joyful, something related to God. Oh, same. I think the first thing that comes to mind when you talk about that is, like, nights at church camp. Um, yes. Church camp? Yes. Okay. Oh, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. that's that was, like, the, the like, the roller thing. coaster that we were on. And it was, like, mm-hmm. in retrospect, I can see the ways that the entire week was built because you get, there was, like, cry night, right? The last night we were there yeah. was, like, the night that everybody, like, went to the altar and confessed their sins and rededicated their lives or got saved and all of the things. You were supposed to. But in retrospect, like, yeah, exactly. Like, it was built to create, like, we spent five days hopped up on sugar out in the middle of the southeast Missouri heat, underslept with all of our friends and we're like overstimulated and undernourished. And being told the entire things. week that we're shit. Yes. <laughs> and being told like, and like, there's just, there's just like this constant amping up toward that one experience. And so of course, when the moment came, we had the experience because we had felt all of this shame and all of this like badness mixed in with like the fact that our bodies were completely unregulated. <laughs> and God, there's so much of it that... Yeah, in retrospect, I can see how, like, our nervous systems were exploited. Yeah. Like, there was, like, a pretty, like, conscious exploitation of our child nervous systems Mm -hmm. um, in moments like that. So, of course, yeah, of course we would, like, you would, like, flip the the switch into, like, elation and joy and these feelings of, like, powerful connection, especially when you're in a context where everyone else is having some version of that same experience. Yeah. Ooh, it's so much. Yeah, and it's it's so, it's so confusing. Like our our minds were young, and yeah. I think the last memories I specifically have, like in that, like in a religious context or with someone like that, were with my ex, and mm. it was like I, I stayed with him for so long because it was the same dynamic that I yeah. had with God, and it was like that experience of like incredible sorrow and shame, mm-hmm. and then like wait, but we're okay. Like things are okay. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Like 
we're good. Like, oh, I'm a forgiven or yes. like whatever that like. It's the same exact fucking pattern. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> God. I, God, there's a story I want to tell and I, I also don't want to tell it, but I kind of want to tell it because it was like such an, um, a profound experience of realizing how much that dynamic of like, shame the shame and then um um connection loop like the shame and disconnection into connection loop yeah got into my system because there was like um a person that I was seeing that I had some fairly like unhealthy dynamics with this would have been about this time last year um and I had some fairly unhealthy dynamics with them And a lot of it was like, there would be points of like, shame and like, almost like a sense of degrading. Mm. And I didn't recognize it in the moment because I was so familiar (laughs) with shame and degrading. Right. Yeah. And then like, in the end, that person was always really good at coming back and being like, no, but let's connect and I care about you and let me take care of you in this way. Mm. And so, like, I fell into this loop, and I remember describing that to my therapist, this relationship to my therapist, because something in my body knew it was like, there's something off here. Um, And I remember the moment that Amanda was like, oh, baby, this entire relationship is a trauma response. Like, this is you playing out as an adult what you experienced as a child, because, like, those weeks at church camp were, like, four days of degradation. Hmm. Like, four days of this is why you're shit and you should be grateful that Jesus like is giving you the time of day and wants to redeem you. And so it's like degradation, 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 degradation. And then on cry night, all of a sudden connection with Jesus and Oh my God, I love you so much. And let, let me give you paradise. Mm, yeah. <sighs> yeah. For, sorry. We forgot to tell you to pull over for the <laughs> Like, I, I, I joke sometimes. I, I, like, make jokes occasionally about how, like, the gifted program gave me my praise kink and the church gave me my degradation kink. <laughs> but it's not really a joke. It's not like, a joke. It's not really it's, a joke. It's a very real pipeline right there. It is a very real pipeline. And, like, that piece, um, like, learning how to interpret, learning how to feel a sense of care and connection without having had to go through the entire shame loop first Hmm. is so hard. It's so hard because we were just like trained into that. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? Like, um, I feel like this comes back to like having power, like the learning, learning that it's okay to connect and be Mm -hmm. powerful. Yeah. Oh, I feel like the, the questions that like I sit with and have sat with around this are like, um, how can I be fully in my power in relationship? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like how can, yeah. how can I show up fully as me and connect with someone? Mm-hmm. And like the past, I feel like two or three years, two years specifically have been like a huge shift for me in this of like, you don't actually have, and Madison working with Madison has been huge for this, but like, you don't actually have to make yourself smaller for someone to like connect with someone. Yeah. 
Um, and you only learn that, I feel like, in someone who doesn't need you to be smaller or bigger than them mm-hmm. in order to connect. Mm-hmm. Like, someone who someone who is healthy and not playing into that dynamic yeah. is, like, the only way that you can learn, in my, in my experience, the only way you can learn to be in yeah. healthy relationships. This is why therapists and coaches yeah. are so, yes. so good. They don't need anything from you. No. You pay them. That's it. Yeah. Like, they don't need you to be a specific way. No. And I think... If you're in a place where you can accept that and then like, and then like be in that dynamic, just being in that dynamic is healing because you're like, oh, I'm so fucking annoyed by it. (laughs) Wait, annoyed by what? Tell me. (laughs) No, this is like the exact work of my life right now. Like I, I feel like, um, this is the first time in my life where I've had those relationship dynamics. Like my, my life is primarily built on relationships wherein that is the case at this point. Like I have surrounded myself finally with people who do not need me to be a specific version of myself. Um, And yet I still find my inner child so present with them. Oh my God. Like I, there have been like certain moments where I'll be in conversation with a friend or a partner and it's like someone who just honestly wants the whole package. Like they want me to show up whole. Um, and I'll like hear something come out of my mouth or see myself do a thing. And like adult Audra is sitting in here because she's <laughs> running the show at this point. There she's, she's, she's present, even if she's not running the show. Um, but like, I'll like see myself, hear myself say a thing to this person or watch myself exhibit a behavior. And adult Audra is sitting in here going, Oh, (laughs) that's tiny baby Audra acting right now. She is all the way behind the wheel. (laughs) God fucking damn it. Like I left the, I left the car door open and she climbed in there. She got in the the driver's seat. I don't know how this happened. I know this Um, feeling. There is such a like transitional period and like, learning how to communicate that to the people who genuinely just want to see you show up whole. And it's probably very confusing for them why you cannot. And you're just like, I'm, we're in process. Like (laughs) we're in process. Like I'm finally at the point where when baby Otter gets behind the wheel, I'm like, Oh, I see you. I see. I see. I know what's happening here, (laughs) but I'm not quite at the point yet where I can stop her. Oh, where I can yeah. be like in the moment I can interrupt it and be like, actually, no, like I, I get why you want to like continue to interact in these old ways that feel really safe, but they're actually you just diminishing yourself almost completely. Yeah. Um, I get why you want that. I mm-hmm. get why that feels like the right move, but actually you can go back to the back seat now and just chill, just rest. Like you can take a nap. Watch your iPad. I've got this. Yeah. Watch your <laughs> iPad. I have this. Hello loves, it's me, Christina. I wanted to interrupt this episode to talk to you briefly about my one-on-one rebuilding coaching series. This 12-week series is designed to transform the way you show up in your life, to help you discover your next step and support you to move confidently into it. We work on inner critic, dialogue, confidence, and trusting yourself to make decisions. I like to look at life as a series of endings and beginnings. There's so many of those in our lives, and I think this space is where the greatest transformation takes place. And whether you've already gone through a change or feeling like there's a change around the corner or just really feel like something is missing, these spaces are great for asking, what do I want now and what is possible for me now? If you're really longing to live freely and trust yourself to move through life with confidence, this series is for you. 
My clients call this series transformative, empowering, and inspiring, and they often report after the series they feel confidence to say no, trust their worth, in touch with their bodies, and in tune with their instincts. This is a powerful container and can have huge long-term impacts on your life and well-being. You can learn more by visiting my website at www.christinamcarlson.com, also listed in the show notes, um, and that's where you can learn more about working with me. Thanks for your time. Now back to the show. I love, I love that you said this and there's, there's another aspect to this too. And that is that like the dynamic you're talking about and noticing the ways, like when your child self is just like, I'm going to make a plea for affection right now. And it's yes. like, you're like, that's not what we do anymore. <laughs> like, um, you, you won't have the same dynamic in every relationship. No. And I like, I feel like that's important to note. Like mm-hmm. if if you have access to this kind of space and communication and you catch yourself before in certain relationships, like make note of that and yeah. notice that you're doing it because like it's tw- like, it's harder the longer you've been in a pattern with someone to create a new pattern. <sighs> Whereas- <laughs> <laughs> we notice. <laughs> I'm going to lie down now. <laughs> I don't like it when you say truth. <laughs> it is and it's so much easier for us to cut and run and start over so i say i say this because because you're already good at this in a lot of areas and i think it's important to note like you we have like different dynamics with everyone so you're telling me you're learning this thing Mm -hmm. i'm learning this thing too it's hard to show up in this way And there's ways you're already doing this in oh, certain yeah. relationships. Oh, yeah. And it's important to, like, I feel like give ourselves credit, credit for the spaces and the ways in which we already have these dynamics in certain relationships. Or we every yeah. time we do that, yep. we, like, recognize that we're doing that. And we're building a new framework. Yes. That's, that's the yes. thing. I keep reminding myself, like, anytime I get – I because I, I exist in a – a state of like low grade frustration with myself on <laughs> because there's just this part of me like that adult self that's just like no baby you're safe now like you're it's safe to like actually like engage with people mm. um so I like find myself in that like frustration loop of I do an old thing and I'm in that space where I've done enough healing that I recognize I'm doing the thing. Yeah. And so we've added frustration to the mix because previously you didn't know previously I didn't know. Yeah. And I would just be like, well, like, I guess I'm just too much. And like, I'm never going to have healthy relationships where I can show up whole. (laughs) And so like, I I was able to like externalize my frustration on the other person in some way, because I would be like, well, they just can't handle me. Mm. And like now at this point, I'm in that space where I'm like, oh, no, this is me. Ah, yes. No, this is me. And, and, like, (laughs) recognizing that in and of itself as progress, like, the fact that I'm able to catch myself in the moment and be like, oh, this is 23-year-old Audra talking right now. She is, she, she triggered. Yeah. And being able to see that and recognize it not as (laughs) a reflection of my like fundamental flawedness and inability to relate and love, Mm -hmm. but like 
as actually a reflection of how much progress I've made (laughs) because I can see her in the moment. And two years ago, I wouldn't have been able to see 23 year old daughter in the room. No, no. I was going to say Madison Morgan would be like, listen, (laughs) Listen. you being aware of this and going back to an old pattern, noticing that (gasps) you're going back to an old pattern is a huge sign of progress. Yes. It's the back and forth of like, it's the um, back and forth of growth. Like the the wobbles in your yoga poses. Oh, the wobbles. It's it's the wobbles. Like, yeah. And like, just, I think also that we also deal with the elements of us that are like, but what if I lose good people while I'm in process? What if I like, what if I fuck this up because I'm, I'm only halfway, like, because I'm only in this space. Like what if I fuck this healthy, beautiful thing up because 23 year old Audra is still in the room, like, because I can see her, but I can't quite yet do anything about her. And what if she fucks this up for us both? That's, I think that's actually the tension that I'm sitting with right now is less, um, less like self frustration and more the fear of what the knowledge of what those patterns have cost me in the past and the fear that they're going to continue costing me good love. My gut is like screaming at I me. I hate it so <laughs> much. Like, fucking ah, much. I hate it terrifying. so much. Oh my God. I hate it so much. Yes. Yes, and, and um, God, this is uh, my my friend Joe Linda Johnson said, and I think in the podcast that I interviewed them, they were talking about like um, it's your path because you're on it, <sighs> and um, it's a very uh, they grew up Unitarian, I believe, mm-hmm. um, but like that concept of like there actually is no wrong way and you can't mess this up is like at the heart of that belief. And that's such a, like, it doesn't necessarily alleviate the fear you're talking about because that just exists there. And, and you know, we, we might, yeah, we might, we might lose people and we might fuck it up and we might be bummed. Those are all big feelings that we have to like, yeah. be with in order to live yeah and either way you too, know like letting that fear or not letting that fear silence me mm-hmm. is the next thing that I'm stepping into is because I, I feel like um in the relationships that I have at this point that are with very like healthy people who want me to show up whole um like I can just talk to them. Mm. I've not previously been in relationships where I can just talk to my people and like trust them to just like be able to see and witness the complexity of my humanity. Um, But like I have surrounded myself very successfully at this point with people who I know that I could just be like, Hey, 23 year old Audra is in the room right now. She's doing a thing and I want to stop her. I don't know how yet. (laughs) But just, like, no, <laughs> that, like, 23-year-old Audra shenanigans are not actually a reflection of how I feel about you or <laughs> how I want to engage in this relationship going forward. I, I am finally in relationships where I can, like, just say those things. Like, I could just name them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think sometimes that fear, like, that fear piece, fear of losing people, fear of, like, reading is crazy, fear of, like, 
feeling like I'm too much for needing more time. Mm -hmm. um, that fear has a tendency to silence me. Yeah. And I don't, that's, that's the part that will fuck everything up. Like I keep reminding myself, I'm like, the only way for me to truly fuck things up at this point is to not like let my people into where I am in the process. Yeah. And I don't want to pause because, Ooh. because fuck it up is, it's so hard. It's yes. emotional language. And it, I get where it's coming from Ugh. because I, I, feel that a lot and I don't think that's a thing yeah because either. because like I mean if you're a murderer or a you know a sociopath then you fucked something up yeah. sure but, <laughs> sure in that case but you're not and uh, um <clears throat> like showing up in relationship how you don't want to sometimes is like a part of what it means to be human so if that is if that is what ends a relationship, yeah, then it's not the one that you're meant to have right now. And, yeah, and, and not talking about it isn't going to make it like no, you know, no, it's not. Oh, and our brains think it is because we think we're hiding a lot better than we are. Oh, I'm terrible. That's the that's the other. <laughs> Everyone's like, like, this is obvious. The shit like, <laughs> of the thing is that at this point, like, I also have a handle on that. Like, I can, I'm like, oh no, I know this is all obvious in my behavior. I could just say the it's thing. It's just scary to say it's it. It's so scary. Yeah. It's so scary. And I think, too, like, unpacking, um, there's just trauma. There's so much trauma at the root of, like, having hard conversations for me because historically I have not been met in them well, that often. Yeah, and you weren't supposed to be talking that much. I wasn't supposed to be. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I, I think back to, like, my most formative relationship with men, specifically my dad. Yeah. Like, adore my dad my dad did not have the capacity to hold space for my thoughts like still does not has like <laughs> adores me would give me the shirt off his back and do anything in the world for me that is acts of service related but like as far as like witnessing me and being in conversation with me can't do absolutely <laughs> like there's no capacity for it uh -huh. um and like there are trauma points with joshua because like in in ways like fueled by his mental health stuff that meant that me sharing emotions, me sharing feelings could easily become catastrophic to the point of death. Mm. So like I learned inside my marriage to silence myself as a way of keeping him alive. Mm. And so like, I'm trying to give myself such big grace here for like why words are actually very fucking hard for me. They feel like, yeah, catastrophic they feel like they could be catastrophic because they have been catastrophic they have been. They've literally been like life-ending yeah. previously so like giving myself grace for like okay words are really hard words are really hard also no one's gonna die about my words like yeah this is this is very resonant for like uh, uh, the like <clears throat> purity culture like um our thoughts being afraid of our thoughts or oh. our, our bodies. Uh -huh. Like that's, it's the, the, that trauma energetic is yes. the same. Yes. Where it's just like, but this has caused death in the yes. past. Like how do I exist yes. with such great risk? Mm -hmm. How do you remind yourself in this space now that the energetic is different? Yeah. You know? Yes. Cause, Cause that's what you're, that's what you're after. You're naming that's like, these is. are safe. Like this is yeah. a safe space. 
it still feels like it still feels like we're gonna die. gonna die. Yeah, somebody's gonna die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I did a uh, an EMDR session not too long ago, and I can finally like name it without like losing my shit. Because thank thank queer God for EMDR. Yes. Um, yes. But like, that's one of the things I've had to process is like my, my last conversation with Joshua was me sharing some really tender, raw, difficult feelings with him and being told by him that it was fine. Like that he could hold space for that mm. and all of the things. And he was dead 24 hours later and we did not speak in the interim. And so I will never know how much my honesty, like my emotional availability played into his absence. Mm. And so like doing EMDR around that and realizing my body has like literal actual proof, like evidence. She's got some evidence Mm. that sometimes when you share a difficult feeling, people die. Mm. Because yeah, we can rewrite that, but it's going to take some yeah. fucking time. But that's not it. That's not a fast Oh, it's shift. not a fast shift. It's not a fast shift. We give ourselves a dick ton of grace in the interim, but like, a shit. Dick a dick ton. Actually, no, this one might that's be a small. fuck ton. <laughs> that's like, because the dick ton, the shit ton, and the fuck ton. A fuck this, ton. Is, this is a fuck ton of grace type of situation. Mm. Oh, our bodies have so much information in them. I... I think, I think about that so much often, like recently is we're like trying to reprogram ourselves in various areas. Mm -hmm. Like our bodies are just trying to protect us from pain. Mm -hmm. That's it. Oh yeah. They're just trying to keep us safe. Yeah. Yep. I watched an episode of Grey's Anatomy yesterday and like ended up like shotgun sobbing at one line that, um, that someone delivered and it was literally just the line that's the body's way of trying to protect you from the pain. And as soon as that line dropped out, and I've seen that episode probably five times, (laughs) but like in the middle of this exact process, my entire body was just like, and I just like sat with her for a while and was like, you did good. Like you've done so good. Like trying to protect me from pain. Like I know that all of these like responses and ways that I navigate relationships right now are actually you just trying to protect me. Mm-hmm. You did good. We knew something different. Now. Yeah. This is, it's not you fucking up. No, it's not. Oh, it's not me fucking up. No, it's you working your fucking hardest. I am working my fucking ass off. <laughs> you, uh, you don't even have to do that much. <laughs> No, my therapist, my, my therapist reminds my friend, um, my friend and I have the same therapist, um, and we talk about our, our sessions, but, um, my therapist said, if you stopped now, you would have done like lifetimes worth of work. Yes. Yep. I mean, you won't because of who you are. Because of who you are as a person. But. The, the amount and level with which you've given yourself space yeah. to heal yep. and the stuff that you've been through is more, is more than enough. It's more than enough. It's more than enough. And it's going to, like, the little steps here and there will get me there. I've never not, I think about this a lot recently, like, when I'm most afraid of fucking things up, quote unquote, um, 
that's never happened before. Like, yeah. Like for all of the amount of trauma and the layers of like nuance to the ways that I relate, I have always had exactly the people I needed at exactly the right time. Isn't that interesting? And like those relationships have lasted exactly as long as they were supposed to. Um, and when they've, when they've closed out, they've given way to the next series of relationships that they need. Mm. So there's nothing to be afraid of. But it feels like it. It feels like it. Some will go and some will stay. And that's scary. It's terrifying. Ugh. Especially when we get our sense of stability <clears throat> from people. Ugh. Which is not a bad thing. No. Wired for we that. We lived in community. Yeah, we're wired for that. So much more than we have access to it at this point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking, who was it the other day? I was talking with somebody. And we were talking about how, like, from an evolutionary standpoint, we, like, the entire, like, concept of, like, spending a bunch of time alone to, like, focus on our own healing. From an evolutionary standpoint... Doesn't make sense. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> because, like... No. Like, the entirety of human history... Like, this is just, like, a little blip on the radar. We have just... We are babies at, like, having this kind of, like, individualism baked into the fabric. Like, we're, we're not supposed to do these parts. <laughs> no. And, like, as you said that, I was like, wait, who are the people that have, like, gone off? It's, like... Prophets, like yes, people who like spend the time alone, um, and and some <sighs> of them come back with really insane shit that's yes. not like real. <laughs> yeah, yep. It's a yeah. When the <laughs> mystics go off into the desert, it is a mixed fucking bag. What yeah. you're gonna get when they come back? <laughs> like we need a, connection. We need community. Yeah. I'm like working hard to find that balance between like, yes, I need some time and space with myself to heal and all of those things, but also like relational wounds can only be healed in relational contexts. Yeah. And most of my wounds are relational. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just be alone and fix it all oh. and then be around people? Listen, <laughs> at least twice a year, I have a compulsion to go off to a cabin in the woods for a month and talk to no one. It would be so great if we could do that, but that's not actually the work I'm being called into at this point. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <sighs> Well, we're going to end this longer Cheers. episode. <laughs> Cheers. My mug says, don't be a prick. So don't be a prick. Bless you. <laughs> Thank you all for joining me today. If you are wanting one-on-one -on -one support to help you step into trusting yourself, seeing your own magic, and building the life that you want, you can contact me on my website. The website is below in the show notes. I hope you all have a bitchin' day.